0: CavsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com, coming to you live from the place of Franklin States in the West End of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 24th. Um, there's a big game coming up on the horizon. We might want to talk about it a little bit. Um, but we're also going to talk about uh, <laughs> whatever the heck that was last night uh, that UVA put on Clemson. Yeah. Um, uh, I've never seen anything like it. Um, So, yeah, let's uh, go around and introduce everybody up in uh, Fishersville. David Spence is on the show. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Doing wonderful, Brad. Thanks for asking. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter.
0: And up in Arlington, staff writer Justin Ferber is also on the show. How are you, buddy?
2: Doing well, doing well. Um, Surviving the winter weather at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. (laughs)
0: Cavs also Cavs Corner on Twitter. Ask eh, at Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for in game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, Ferber will be Manning uh, the Cavs Corner machine uh, on Saturday in Durham. Uh, I will not be there. I will be watching from my couch. Uh, it's a number two and the number four team in the country. Easily the best game. Easily the best game That I've Ever had the opportunity To go to
2: You're a wonderful person
0: And I'm not going See A couple years ago Well it was probably Longer than that I told Ferber At some Because he asked What games you want to go to And he mentioned this one And I said At some point we'll get you there And they they never give you More than one And for some reason This year I was like Yeah man You can have it this year That's cool Why Anyway. So, uh if I'm if if I'm especially grumpy for the next couple of days, everybody's just got to bear with me. Um I know I'm like doing a like a, a nice thing and all, but actually it, it just feels like I'm uh making uh like I I I'm, I'm just setting myself up to. So here's it, it, two scenarios. Either UVA wins the game and therefore I can never go back to Cameron cuz people will revolt, right? Or UVA loses the game and people get all like um Eeyore and stuff about having lost. So really this doesn't work out well for me either way. Ferber, so thanks is this a lot, your Ferber. first
1: trip to Cameron? I've been as a fan. Not a,
2: like I've never been to a big game there. So you haven't been a Virginia um, game there? No, I've I've been to Duke Radford, right. which was a totally different kind of game.
1: So Brad, you have an out. If if they win with Ferber there, we'll just have the, the Cavs Corner board, we'll just do a GoFundMe to send Ferber as a to attend in two years, you know.
2: Yeah. um, I mean, last time they won there, I was five.
1: So, (laughs) five. Now you're just making me feel old, man. Come on. All
0: right. So, the symmetry of Virginia having beaten Clemson on January the 11th, 1995. Every time I say that like that, it makes me sound like uh, I'm something from a Back to the Future movie. Um, They beat Clemson 61 37. Three days later, they go down to Durham and they win in double overtime. Tuesday night, they beat Clemson number 18 Clemson at that. Both both Clemson teams ranked 18th nationally. Beat number 18 Clemson 6136. Um I, I if they if they actually do it um and 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 win this game, um, and I am gonna go back to the Clemson game in a second, but I I, I was curious about this. If Virginia wins on Saturday, will that dramatically change sort of where you think this team is or is going? Will it have an impact at all? What does Saturday mean, Dave, for your view of of this squad this season?
1: I think just being competitive is all I'm looking for. Uh, I've, it's a tough place to to win in, um, especially when Duke's. Yeah, I think it's a game you're more likely to sneak up on Duke in than you are to come in as the higher ranked, you know, higher in the conference team and win. So. Look, if we win, it's gravy. As far as I'm concerned, any any win on the road in the ACC is a is a big deal for me. Uh, just taking away where, what it means for the season, it would be big for me just because I can't stand Duke and Duke basketball specifically. So, but I if Virginia goes in there and gets blown out, I think it's gonna. We we talked about it on the fifth out of the ball. <laughs> that part of Twitter is not gonna have a good day because. It's going to be you know, defense can't beat the good teams. Blah blah blah. Virginia's competitive and loses like they have just about every game in the Bennett era. I'll be okay with it.
0: One thing that I was thinking about as you as you said, I, I literally think that the only posit, the only potentially like dramatic impact result would be Virginia getting blown out. I mean, maybe a Virginia blue Duke out, but Virginia loses close wins close. Um, I don't know if it matters much Because ultimately Let's be honest Like the knock on UVA Is going to come in March I mean that's really where It comes down to right we, We've seen this This program Be very good in ACC play um, But As And as As enticing um, As it is To sort of uh, Think about Your the, the Your fifth side of the ball Reference there um, Because I have More on On that topic For later But um, I want to first get Ferber's point of view on this. What, um, what, what, what kind of impact do you feel like, Justin, that Saturday will have, uh, on your overall view of UVA and maybe even, you know, Duke, the ACC college basketball in general? Uh, is the hype worth it? You are generally not a hype guy. Uh, is the hype worth it? You think?
2: I mean, I think it's gonna be a really fun game, a good test. Uh, the the UVA Duke games have all gone pretty similarly. In the past few years, except for the ACC Championship game. Um, every other regular season meeting that they've had has come down to the wire and Duke has pulled it out. Whether that means that UVA squandered a lead, or, you know, I guess you could look at it as Duke coming back, um, or if it was nip and tuck and, and you know, like Grayson Allen beat them at the buzzer, or the Tyus Jones play uh, to that, you know, was basically the dagger. A few years ago at J.P.J., when UVA kind of entered under similar circumstances as to what they will, you know, the as the ones they'll go into Cameron with on Saturday, you know, being the top team in the league um, and undefeated in conference play. You know, it, it, it's a it's an interesting test because obviously it's the best team that UVA has probably played. Um, no offense to West Virginia, um, they're definitely the most talented. And, and, you know, let's be honest. I mean, it's not something that we really talk about a lot, uh, because UVA has had so many high points and, and wins over the last few years, but Duke has pretty much had UVA's number, um, during this run since 2014. And they're the only team in the ACC that has, I mean, I I don't have the stats in front of me, but I'd imagine that UVA is a winning record or at least 500 against every other team. Um. You know, I know they lost to Miami twice. Uh, they lost to Florida State twice, Virginia Tech twice. Um, I think that's it. I think everybody else they've only lost to once or, or not at all. So, yeah, at, at least in the regular season. Um, so it'll be it'll be big for the program if they can kind of, like, get this win. But at the end of the day, like Dave said, you know, it doesn't determine how their season's going to go either way. Uh, but I will say that if they can get the win, then they are the prohibited favorite to win the ACC regular season at that point. Um, if they lose, they're only a game up on Duke with, the t- with you know, and then don't have the tiebreaker. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting down the stretch to see how it goes and they'll certainly have a chance to win it. Um, but if you know if they can win these next two against Duke and Louisville, I think they're looking at an ACC regular season championship, uh, and a potential one seed in the NCAA tournament if they can keep from slipping down the stretch. But even if they lose this game, a lot of that stuff is still in play. So not, it, it doesn't determine anything if they lose. But if they win, I think that it could kind of cement their place with Villanova and maybe Purdue and Duke and whoever else as a national title contender.
0: Um, I want to make two things. Well, one, I... I, I, I... Was kind of joking on Ferber earlier, but I am really excited for you to be able to go and, and cover the the game. I I also want to make it clear you didn't, he didn't like cajole me or anything. you know it wasn't like he was been badgering me to do this. Um, so um, I'm really excited for you to be there. Um, Plus, I went
2: to the military bowl. Yeah,
0: well, so did I.
1: Yeah, so did I, and I'm not going. <laughs>
0: Right, that's not a very good. uh, I paid to go. I paid a lot of money uh, to go. (laughs) That's true. Somebody, yeah, that's true. But I do know the the thing is, is that Ferber said something like, you know, hey, this is a uh, exciting game, and I I think that that's true, regardless of whether or not you're the one going for the mothership or not. I mean, um, but the I I think the thing about the, the weird thing about this is like this is the one venue, the one thing. I mean, aside from maybe a Final Four. Where Virginia just like the mojo is, you know the history and stuff. It's like uh, I forget which one of you guys raised this question earlier today in their text thread, but like the idea that like this is this is the last monkey, right? Check this out. Virginia has played in Cameron Indoor Stadium sixty times. Okay, you want to guess how many wins among those sixty? I know you know neither one of you know the number. Four. Just give me a number. How many? <laughs> no, no. I looked earlier. I'm not gonna answer. Oh, I'm gonna say seven. It's eight. They won eight times. They're eight and fifty-two in Cameron. They're fifty and hundred nineteen against Duke. Like this is the one team. Like this is this is the. the, I don't want to say this is the mountaintop because you know Final Four is national championships. But like, there's not a. I mean, look. I don't think that Virginia is battling for the soul of basketball with all these people who uh, continue to hate them. But I do think that you you kind of you kind of get to a place where as a where the, you, you hit a ceiling and then you either get through that ceiling or you don't and right now virginia's ceiling has been really solid in the regular season can't beat duke can't win a national championship um this is one thing to tick off the board i do think though that this is the first team virginia's played this season that boasts two honest to goodness good big men right Because, like, I keep seeing these people like, oh, how's Virginia going to handle Marvin Bagley? And I'm like, y'all, like, they have a six-foot-nine, 250-some-odd-pound other guy who also is going to be a top, you know, a lottery pick. Like, you're not just worried about Bagley. you got to worry about Wendell Carter, too. And so, like, post-traps are going to be dicey. Um, and so I think that changes some of the dynamics of this game. It's not, Virginia's been playing a lot of guard oriented lineups. They have not played, and maybe they played teams with like a ah, big man, but they haven't played many teams that had two, um, especially not this talented. I mean, Bagley by himself would be a, would be a beast, but to have uh, Carter as well is, is especially uh, problematic. Um, I do, before we focus completely on Duke, I want to go back to last night. Uh in the Pantheon of things I did not expect to see Tuesday, Clemson scoring 13 points for 26 and a half minutes was definitely not on the list. Ferber, what's your favorite factoid stat thing, uh eye opening um reality of, of, of that win? Like what like when the thing that you just kind of keep going back to in your mind you go, man, I cannot believe that that, that actually happened.
2: I mean, the biggest thing to me was the complete turnaround of the game at the 23-16 mark. Um, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but going into the second, well, they didn't give up another point for the rest of the half, and I think it was 27-23 at halftime. Um,
1: That is correct. And
2: then they just you know blew the doors off of them to start the second half, and Clemson didn't score a point until I think it was like the – 11th minute mark or something of the second half no no, no 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 like
0: no no no. see that's the though no. so what happened is is so it was 23 excuse me 623 left or they
2: scored four points in that yeah they had
0: they the had order. yeah because sims had a and one that he missed a free throw on at 1926 and then uh reed made a jumper at 1755 and they didn't score again until 1008 and virginia right. went on a 13 nothing run so basically 11-0 runs to end the half and then, and after a couple minutes, uh, after coming out for the under uh, sixteen, another 13-0 run.
2: Yeah, I mean, just that dominant stretch. I mean, it didn't even seem like Clemson was close to scoring, like, right? Yes, they, it was like it was like the game was. It was like they had just it like I don't want to you know piggyback on what Brad Brownell said, but it was like they just kept going three and out over and over and over again. <laughs> like they weren't even close to getting a touchdown. It was just like. They just, everywhere they turned, it was turnover. They just got shut down here, there, wherever. So that was as impressive a stretch of defense I've seen them play recently in a stretch of games where they've played great defense. But, you know, Clemson was clicking on offense. And just the, it didn't go from, like, you know, they're clicking to, you know, things are starting to slowly unravel. It, like, went from they're clicking to snap of the fingers. They're completely unraveled, and this game is over.
0: What about you, Dave?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of that same stuff. It's I always joke how you know during basketball season, um, or I was talking about how during basketball season I don't get quite as worked up watching a basketball game as I do a football game, just because I expect good things to happen. Duke is the the asterisks, and we'll see how that goes on Saturday. But like when I think Virginia came out and had that early lead, and then we had a couple of. I think questionable is probably the nicest way to put them. <laughs> some questionable referee actions and calls there, um, and then all of a sudden Clemson got some momentum. And then, you know, Virginia normally you see teams get little runs on Virginia because you know, look when you're when you're scoring you know, sixty eight, sixty nine points a game. You know, five, three or four good possessions in a row can make a big difference in, in the in a game. We looked out of sync on defense. Their offense, you know, We were turning the ball over on offense. We were doing silly stuff. And it looked like the players were aggravated by not getting calls. I know the fans certainly were. It was a weird tension in the crowd. You could almost sense it on TV. Um, and then even look, Virginia turned it around and, and had the lead at halftime. But even going into halftime, no, there's no way you said this game is going to end where it was. Um, figured Clemson was going to make an adjustment or two, but the way the way we played in that second half, defensively, Clemson helped a little bit as they kind of got frustrated and started doing dumb things. But just this team's length, yeah, it, I was trying to figure out what's different about this defense. It, it is the length, you know. Um, and the, just the anticipation. We, I, I'd feel amiss if I didn't, and maybe I brought it up before, but how guy's improving on defense? Look, he's never going to be a guy who can, like, you know, man up one on one and do a lot just because he, you know, he's a slight build compared to some of the guards he's facing in the ACC. But his quickness and tenacity, and he's starting to anticipate passes. Um, I, mean, he, I think he had what like three steals last night. Um, you do that, and you get Nigel, who's really good at that. And now Ty's just so his arms are so long. It's the guys are able to defend defend their guy and have a hand back and deflect a ball and that's something we haven't seen in this defense and it's a whole new wrinkle that makes it even more ominous for for the opponents. It was it was fun to watch, man. Like literally, the second the game was over, I rewound back to halftime and watched the entire second half again, and it was just as nice. But come on, man, yeah.
2: you know UVA basketball isn't fun. Right, well, I mean, look, I can. I, well, I'm
1: not gonna get into that debate. But yeah, yeah, I can see why people <laughs> wouldn't like it. I mean, but um, the the thing from last night that stood out to me the most, though, was that other than the obscene scoreless, you know, um, not scoreless drought, but the, the obscene reduction in scoring the defense calls from that 623 mark, whatever it was, till the end of the game, is if Virginia hadn't scored the final 13 minutes and six seconds, they still would have won by one point. I mean, that's insanity. Kyle Guy hit a hit a three pointer with like 1307 or something left.
0: That essentially was the game winner. And that
1: was it. It's 37 to 27 That's all you needed.
0: Could have just stood there the rest of the game.
1: <laughs> it's insane.
0: Um to me it's well one the weird it's this is such a weird game, okay? UVA goes up 7 to nothing, right? Clemson comes back and goes up uh 11 to 7, okay? So 7-0 run, 11-0 run, right? Then UVA comes back and goes on uh a two four seven to two run, and then Clemson goes on a uh, two four six nine nine zero run, and then UVA scores. Clemson scores at the six twenty three. UVA closes the half on eleven zero run. Now a lot of those are prime numbers. We're not going to focus on that. Okay, they went from the six twenty three mark to the halftime without scoring. And then they went from the 1755 to the 1008. That's like 14 minutes and change of a game where they didn't score, right? Virginia had more, <laughs> had they had they had one less steal, 14 steals for UVA, 15 field goals. So everybody was focusing on like the, that Clemson had 19 turnovers and 15 field goals. I'm like, no, no, no. It was the 14 15 combo that really just blew my mind. Like that you and and to Dave's point just a minute ago, Uh, Jerome finished with four steals, Devin had three, Kyle had two. Um, But his point about um, the defense and how important it is that Kyle, and I want to put Ty in that too, their, their ability to turn their hips and to play continuously has been incredibly important. But I think that that's going to be one of the interesting wrinkles for me on Saturday, which is you're going to see Virginia get tested in a different way. But also for Duke to be tested in a different way. And I mean, we're going to make a lot about the contrasts and styles and, you know, number one offense, number one defense, but it's worth it. I mean, that thing is, that thing looks good. Um, and I felt bad. I mean, like, I fe- I, it were definitely times last night in the second half. I, I Until uh, Reed actually made that shot with 10 minutes to go, I legitimately wondered at one point, I was like, what if they just don't score again? Like, because it, it started to feel not just like possible, but likely. Um, and I mean that. The, then the Spencer kid gets a bunch of crusty looks later in the game that you know make it look better. But thirteen points over over more than uh, twenty six minutes of game action is just nuts. I mean, just nuts. It's it it just it, it that Kyle guy can make the game winner. <laughs> like Dave said, that Kyle can can make the the game winner with uh uh f- uh thirteen minutes and three seconds left. That's just nuts. Um, So yeah yeah, it was an incredible performance I mean part of it I mean look I thought Tony really handled this well He basically made the point Like look Clemson was really off And they don't have Dante Grantham And this is their first game without him And it just was rough But also at the same time UVA played crazy good defense Um, I I wonder I don't think they were looking ahead early I just think Clemson I I thought Amir Sims quite frankly Really kind of set the tone for them early I mean he was really I mean he was giving max effort um, I, I thought he was um, He was impressive And they fed off him a little bit They were they were getting some stuff in the lane Which normally isn't there And then UVA just tightened the screws And that thing was That thing was cooked Um, Let's uh let, Let's try to preview Duke uh, In earnest What's your Ferber What's your Is Bagley the biggest concern for you um, How do you I mean I don't want to I don't want to spoil the the preview that folks are gonna read uh on Friday, but like what what's your what's your sort of feel for how these two teams really do stack up?
2: Yeah, I mean I think Bagley's the guy that you're gonna to have to kind of game plan for the most because honestly, you know, I guess maybe it's just a trend in college basketball overall, but if you look at the teams that UVA's played, they haven't really played a ton of formidable front courts. It's been a lot of good guards that can score off the dribble or make threes. So it's just going to be a different sort of challenge. But like you said, it's going to be a different challenge for them as well. And um, it'll be interesting to see how he deals with the waves of defenders coming at him and and also like the double team in the post. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive UVA gets with that, considering that Duke has another big man at Carter that can, that can do a lot of stuff as well. Um, it, but the thing with Duke is like it seems to me that, you know, Bagley's obviously been the most consistently – excellent player on offense but they have other guys that can have big games I mean whether it's Duvall or Gary Trent who I know had 30 plus against uh, Miami obviously Grayson Allen you know he's almost an afterthought in this team now and he's an, an excellent player and you know so I, all those guys can give you trouble in different ways and it's kind of hard to predict I mean Bagley's probably going to have a nice game regardless but um it's kind of hard to predict which one of those other guys is going to go off, if anybody will. One of the trends that I would say seems to be a, a factor in these UVA-Duke games in the last few years and, and how Duke has been able to beat UVA all these times is it always seems like there's a guy, a freshman, one of the freshman elite, you know, one-and-done guys that um, steps up and, and has a big game. I think last year was Jason Tatum. Um, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, he had 28 points. Yeah. Um, the year before that, if you remember, Brandon Ingram had that crazy stretch where he had like 14 points in a row. Um, and then the year before that, obviously, they had the loaded team with uh, Tyus Jones and Julia Locafor and and all those guys contributed in some way. So I think it's going to be just they're going to have to play great team defense and, you know, Duke's going to get theirs, but they're going to have to be able to match it on the offensive end.
1: What about you, Dave? Yeah, I don't mean to slight the guys on this team, but Look, it's the same story every year with Duke since Tony got here. It you're going to be playing against two plus NBA first round picks, and I don't have the. <laughs> I was trying to pull it up, but I couldn't find it. But I am pretty sure every team we have faced since Tony has gotten here has had at least two first round picks on it. Um, so Bagley is different. You know, this team is a little more inside oriented than a lot of the the um, the Duke teams that have rolled through. Either, you know, that we played there or played here. But it's still the same. They're individually talented guys who haven't played a lot together, who, are, you know, are, are trying to piece it together you know, to be good by tournament time. So the funny thing to me, like, so Virginia's played play Duke, whatever. I think one year since Tony got here, they played him twice um, other than the tournament. So two years they played him twice. Only one year they played him twice in the regular season. Since Tony got here. Do you know Duke has only broken 70 points one time against Tony Bennett? And yet we've won only two of those games. Like That stat tonight blew my mind. Yeah, that was the,
0: 19, uh, 2013. Yeah,
1: second year, right? Um, yeah. So the only two games Virginia's won in the series, Virginia broke 70. So I, I feel like every year we spend time like, how are you going to stop these guys? How are you going to stop that? Well, the defense does its job. Even you know, even when these guys have gone off against us, they haven't broke 70 points. So the key for Virginia is just to do what they do on defense, but it's not to go in the offensive droughts that seem to pop up whenever Duke rolls around, which when you compare it to what they do, what Duke does defensive efficiency-wise against other teams, for some reason they just play better against Virginia. I don't know if it's... like A part of me wonders if this team had any other jersey on. Would Virginia struggle as much? you weren't playing at Cameron you you know Cameron's a whole different bird but I think the key for Virginia it's just doing what they do on offense you have scoring points obviously if we get hit 70 I like our chances but <laughs> um, as far as the players on the current Duke team our, our current our current defense is so much better against defending the three than any I think Tony's had um, plus they create some stills Virginia needs when, those, when they create those stills they need to convert Um, not be afraid to get in transition a little bit because I think this Duke team relies a little more on, on two point shots than than any, than any Duke team recently. So if you can put points on the board and force them to have to feel like they need to score. And then I think that plays into the hands of the pack line. Um, And then the offensive rebounding is probably what's going to end up telling the tale of this game. Dukes rebounds like 40%, almost 40% of their misses. I mean, that's insane. And Virginia, that's been one weakness for this for this team this year is defensive rebound. They cleaned it up a little bit last night. But I, I don't expect Duke, you know, I expect Duke to send many guys to the offensive board just to score points. So if they do, we've got to make them pay when we get the rebound and not be afraid to push it out regardless of the atmosphere.
0: Um, and if I, I said tomorrow, so. I apologize. No, That's okay. <laughs> I misspoke at 1.2 and I said uh, they they lost Virginia lost and uh, and that that actually that was the
1: one year they won. It was 2011 that yeah. They-
0: but I think I think we sort of need to start to we sort of need to differentiate in our mind's eye like the pre- Kyrie Irving teams. And the post Kyrie Irving teams, right? Because like we think of Duke, and we, you know, I, I used that stat earlier, Cameron. This, but I mean, like in 2010, uh, Virginia lost to Duke 67 49 uh, in in Charlottesville. Let me read you the names of these players, okay? Kyle Singler, John Shire, Nolan Smith, Brian Zubek, two of the Plumleys, and Lance Thomas, okay. The next year was 2011. That's the year that Kyrie Irving came to town. He played 11 games. All right. They also added uh, Seth Curry um, along with um, Josh Hairston. Okay. 2012, that was the Austin Rivers year. Um, So at this point, Kay really hasn't gone full on into the one and done. All right. The following season uh, was literally just a bunch of dudes. Okay. Mason Plumlee ended up. I guess kind of carrying them. Um, that's the team that uh, that lost um, in the uh, Elite Eight to Louisville. Um, Mason Plumlee, Quinn Cook, Seth Curry, Ryan Kelly, Rashid Suleiman. So no one had done guys on that team, right? But the next year is the Japari Parker season. And the next year after that is... The uh, Tyus Jones, Jaleel Okafor, Justice Winslow team. And that's really, that 2014-2015 team, that's when Duke became all about the one and done. Because then in 2016, 2015-2016, that's the Brandon Ingram. Um, you know, Chase Jeter should have been one of those guys, but apparently um, he was stricken by a witch. Um, and then last season, obviously, they had uh, Jason Tatum uh, and Frank Jackson, Harry Giles, Marcus Bolden bolden is still there what is what is he is he redshirting this year what's what's bolden's deal anybody remember he's he's played in 13 games is he hurt yeah did he spring another (laughs) giblet um
1: yeah i really don't know so the
0: reason i'm the reason i'm going through that as an exercise is because like i'm not saying that there's a that there's not a stigma with cameron i'm not saying that folks shouldn't still want to be duke but like you, you kind of need to think about Duke as being like a different thing now because they're not like this ain't Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, Grant Grand Hill Duke, right? This is not, um, that it's not Cherokee well, parks, you know,
1: like though that it's Duke funny. in this town would be a one and done team too. So.
2: Well, it's funny now because it seems like, and, and you guys might disagree. Um, the, the styles are different for sure, but, Duke for so many years was known you know when I was growing up as the they were annoying because they were the team that like they might not have had the most talented guys but they were always well coached and they played hard and they slapped the floor and you know it seemed like they took a lot of charges and it, it annoyed people yeah. the way that they played basketball and who does that sound like uh-huh
0: well okay so the where this where this started to grow in my brain today? Was as I was listening to um, Titus and, and Tate Frazier on One Shining Pod, and they were talking about the the Zion Williamson thing. Which also, side note, man, Brad Brown now had a rough week. You, you you lose Williamson, you lose Dante Grantham for the rest of the season, and then your team ends up putting up thirteen points in twenty six minutes. I mean, ooh, I really hope, uh, I really hope Brad has some good things happening to him in the next week. Anyway. Um, but they were talking about, like, the one-and-done era and stuff, and it started to dawn on me, because, like, Tate Frazier is a Carolina guy, and he's talking about um, Carolina and Duke and how he doesn't really hate Duke anymore, because now, like, nobody stays around long enough for you to hate, and it started to dawn on me, like, yo, UVA is now Duke, like, Tony, like, because the the thing about Krzyzewski for so long, right, was he did it, did it the right way, and you know, he he was like a leader of men, and it was all, you know, now he's, you know, he's gone over to the, you know, quote-unquote dark side with the one-and-done thing. Meanwhile, Tony Bennett's over here with this little juggernaut that just keeps on plugging, um, you know. Uh, I, it's really kind of interesting to me, because um, I had the same sort of um, realization that in a lot of ways, and I know that there, <laughs> I should go ahead and preface this now. I know that some of y'all out there listening to this are like, what? Because you have always hated Duke, and you, you're, n- you're never going to like Duke, and I'm not trying to say you shouldn't. I'm just saying that, like, Virginia has now sort of supplanted Duke as the team that gets the most out of its talent, plays with max effort, and stymies the crap out of people, and everybody's just frustrated all the time. Frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. Um, do hey, we want to give, like, can
1: a... Can I interrupt you a second? No, go ahead. Do you think? Like, as the oldest guy on the podcast, um, tell you, late, late years of high school me, loved Duke. Because they were the good team against the bad UNLVs and against the bad all the programs that were doing it the wrong way, Coach K was doing it the right way, and he had, you know, Christian Leitner and Grant Hill and you know, that whole team. So yes, there was a time where Duke, you're right, Duke, Duke, was kind of doing it the way we were. The difference, I think, is you know that was just a wolf in sheep's clothing all these years. <laughs> that is Mike Krzyzewski. But yes, well, even I liked Duke back then.
2: Yeah, like I had a boss um, at a previous job who graduated from NC state and he's older, he's like in his 60s. Um, but you know, he asked me, he was like, who's your least favorite team in the conference, like growing up. And I said, Duke hundred percent, not even close. He's like, so when Carolina plays Duke, you root for Carolina. And I was like, well, not really, but if, if Duke loses, I'm not going to be upset. And he just did not understand that and I, I you know eventually I think we both realize it's like a generational thing yeah, like that's true because growing up for him Carolina and obviously going to state it's different but you know for him growing up Carolina was what Duke is now so it's right. like Duke was the challenger the scrappy upstart whatever and now it's like Duke is like growing up for me watching the Jay Williams teams and the Shane Battier teams and all those guys they were like the monolith right the Goliath yeah like and so I don't know any anything else
0: well, and and what I find interesting, at least about how this applies to UVA, is that when UVA eventually does get over the hump, uh, and and gets to the Final Four, wins the championship, um, if Tony stays and doesn't you know doesn't chase the NBA thing, I mean it, it, he he easily could start to get because like that's the only thing holding holding him back. I mean I think we all appreciate we all understand that you know like this past recruiting cycle, for example, like they were in with a lot of kids that they typically aren't in with. Um, if they do something special this year, they'll still land some of those kids in 2019. And if that's the case, you know, I I don't think you're gonna see Tony because Kay's system was never sort of, uh, his system was never married to an idea the way that Tony's system is married to the pack line. And so it, it, he, I believe he will ultimately have success. He'll bring in higher caliber athletes, and guys won't be afraid to play defense. Because Lord, look, if you can get Kyle Guy to buy in, and the way he has, I think that in and of itself is a great example of what what's possible. I mean, that's a dude who, you know, who admitted to us last night that you know he he got there out of a, on a scale of one to ten, thinking he was about a five, and he was really about a two in terms of his defense. Um, he remembered the first workout he had, uh, or Ty Ty told the story that basically. They were doing a a two-on-two closeout drill, and Mariel dunked on him. Just ripped one, ripped by him, and went and dunked on him. And Kyle immediately realized that, like, oh yeah, I got to play defense. They like they weren't kidding. Um, So I do think that once they once they cross that threshold, I don't think Tony's going to you know start going one and done, but he's going to get higher caliber talent, um, and people are going to hate him even more. Um, And I think folks, a lot of folks hate Duke because of a variety of reasons. Krzyzewski being probably the The most notable um, Because you can only You can only like Sort of like um, Like wag your finger At people about doing things The right way um, Without people getting Sort of like frustrated with you You know like you can't be the The know-it-all Perfect whatever That that they sort of pretended To be for a long time Um, And the way he like Randomly will you know Have some surgery He needs to go have um, you know, when the team's hitting a rough patch, um, in terms of this actual game, I, I, I'm looking around, and I'm and I'm I'm not really sure about matchups. Um, my guess would be that Zay, if healthy, is gonna uh is gonna draw Bagley, um, unless Tony thinks that that having Salt's physicality will be a good thing. I almost feel like they're better off to play. Uh, Salt on uh, on Carter, um, he's the bigger of the two, even though he's not the you know neither one of them I guess are a true center so to speak. Um, man, it would be nice to have more Mamadi Diakite in this game, um, but realistically, it's going to come down to me. Is I think it was Ferber who made this point earlier. Like it's always some one of the other guys, not necessarily the lead dude, but like one of the other guys who sort of goes off. So really, in this game, it's either Gary Trent or or, or Duvall, and that's going to be. Uh, it's gonna be up to Devin Hall on I'm guessing on Trent and uh probably more often than not uh Ty Jerome or or, or DeAndre Hunter on uh on Duval. Um the one thing about this team that's interesting is that like they don't really have like a true clear-cut sort of point guard. Um I know that they p- primarily play Duval there and he plays there, but I don't think he's really a point guard. I think he's more combo. And I wonder what that's like because one thing Brownell said last night is like you can't, like, it's not easy to reverse the ball against this team. Like, they're everywhere. And so, like, little things like that become really difficult. When you're not used to really being uh, the tr- a true point guard, I'm, I'm just curious as to how that sort of shakes out. Um, do we want to do actual predictions, fellas? Do we want to give a an actual number here? Um, or do we want to just say, you think, here, here's, who, here's what we're going to do. Uh, you're going to tell me who you think is going to win and why. Dave, we're going to start with you.
1: I mean, I think Duke's going to win um, and somewhere in the high 60s what they'll score. I think Virginia will score. I just I have a hard time. We need our big guys, and our, our big guys are kind of foul-prone, and Duke gets a few whistles in Cameron. That's the rumor, at least. Um, I, I think the key for Virginia in this game, there, there's four keys. One, staying out of foul trouble. Um to DeAndre Hunter's play because I think he gives you versatility in how you can attack Duke defensively, and he's a guy that can kind of scare them um, scare them on their own defense. Uh, Kyle Guy would be key number three for me. I think this team, like when Kyle's playing well, I feel like the whole team feeds off of it. And this is a game because of what will probably be pretty physical. Um, if Kyle fights through and hits, shot, hits a big shot or two, I think it can motivate the team. And then um, – Isaiah Wilkins back, like it, you know, if, if there's any lingering effects, we don't expect it to be, but there, if there's any lingering effects, I don't know that Mamadi can be what Ma- we saw at the end of that game. I think <laughs> Mamadi played really bad in the first half against Clemson. He he, he kind of you know showed out in the second half. I don't expect Mamadi to be a big – I think that moment's still too big for him, and I don't mean to slight him, but he gets a little too excited. And I think in that crowd, if you have to depend on Mamadi – I don't like our chances. So um, I'm saying it's too much Duke with home, you know, w- with the officiating and, and the talent they have. That. So yeah, I have, a, I can't be honest and pick Virginia. So I'll go can't Duke be in a close
0: one. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go next. I, I think you, you sort of have to pick Duke in the sense that um, to me, the thing is basically it's a, it's a, it literally is a coin flip and the fact that it's at home. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy theorist as I tweeted uh, last night, but there was a there were some moments in that game, even against Clemson, where I was like, "Dude, like this does not make sense." I do expect Duke to get to the line. I think it's going to be hard for UVA to get to the line. Um, if if they had been getting more consistent um, consistent uh, contributions from Diakite, I probably would be a little bit more likely to pick UVA here. Bec- but it's mainly because it's not just Bagley it's Bagley and Carter and I think That combo is is going to be tough for UVA I I think it's going to be really tight I I don't Think Duke wins the game by more than Four or five I mean I think it's going to be Really tight Uh, it's going to be a fun one Uh, Ferber go ahead and spoil the preview um, For the folks and tell Them what your your expectation Is about this
2: Yeah I'm with you guys I think Duke wins a close one Um, The fact that it's at Cameron and like I said I don't ever remember UVA winning at Cameron so it's kind of hard for me to Predict them to do so now. Um, also, I feel like like the last few times they played Duke, this game is important for Virginia, but it's it seems like it's more important for Duke. Like w- when they when they lost to them in 2015 at JPJ, uh, I mean UVA was riding high. They were I think the second they were one of two undefeated teams with the Kentucky team that went undefeated all the way to the Final Four. Um, and Duke was kind of sputtering. They just kicked Suleiman off the team. They were losing um, a few games there, and, and, and they needed a win bad. And getting it on the road against the top ten team was huge for them. And I think that we're going to see a similar situation play out now. I mean, obviously they're not really sputtering like this, but they haven't really had a marquee win in a long time. They haven't played a ranked team. Uh, that's I mean, a team that's currently ranked. In a long time, um, it's it's a good opportunity for a big statement, you know, and, and also to make the statement that UVA isn't the top dog in the ACC, or at least they're not alone at the top. Um, so I think it's an opportunity for them to make a statement. Honestly, I think it'll be a close game for most of the game, and I think eventually down the stretch, Duke will make enough plays on offense to, to get it done um, in a close game. Uh, like Dave said, it's going to come down to the bigs, you know, staying in the game and staying out of foul trouble. And... Honestly, I think the path to success is to, you know, maybe frustrate Bagley a little bit with the double teams and and make him make some mistakes or just have some empty possessions and see how that affects the team. And then at the same time, you know, exploit Duke's mediocre defense, which is not always easy to do, and I think the guys will be jacked up to play in this environment. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but we'll (laughs) see. But I'm thinking it's probably going to be, you know, a a five or – Four or five point win for
0: Duke The thing also I wanted to mention You guys were talking earlier about confidence in these kids. One thing that I think is interesting Is that UVA does go into this game um, UVA goes into this game With a chip on its shoulder In the sense that Everybody will expect Duke to, to win um, I mean look you, It's not 59 Like that Clemson Carolina series But I mean they've lost the last 16 in a row uh, In Cameron And so In a way, like, of course, people are going to expect Duke to win. Um, At the same time, like, it is a possibility, a a possibility, a possible statement sort of thing for UVA. I don't know, Ferber, if it's a real, if like, if these Duke kids care enough, like, because many, it's like several of them are like, they've been there like 37 seconds, right? Like, do they really care about showing UVA that Duke's the top dog? I mean, maybe K tries to motivate them to, as such, but I just don't know if these guys necessarily care about that. What they do care about though, is getting a, getting a chance to make a, you know, a big statement in general, right on a big stage. And this is the number two team in the country coming to your house. Um, but I will say this, man, UVA's kids. Those are some confident dudes. Um I don't think that – I mean, you mentioned – Dave mentioned, you know, maybe the moment might be too big for, like, uh, Diakite. But the moment's not going to be too big for for Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome or even maybe DeAndre Hunter. I mean, I think those those young kids might be young, but they, they don't lack for confidence. Um, so if Virginia won the game, I would not be surprised at all, um, especially if they're able – because, I mean, we haven't seen Duke win. We haven't really seen Duke have to play this season without Bagley, um, you know, getting – a bunch of touches I mean if you if you look at their season so far or look just like if you go to his numbers um I mean he's getting he's playing uh other than the Michigan State game which he only played I think 10 minutes um he's playing pretty consistent minutes he's getting you know a, a, a pretty consistent um amount of shots a pretty consistent amount of touches um so I kind of and I if yeah, I don't want to say that the UVA's uh, path to victory inc- includes just taking Bagley out of the game, but you know that would actually um, obviously help. But it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun one. Uh, bef- before we get to to the to the fifth side of the ball, I, I I want to revisit something we we talked about last week. So we talked last week in this in that segment uh, about the national media and UVA Twitter and just the way people sort of perceive things. Um, in, in terms of basketball, what I found fascinating, uh, my my really good friend Brenda retweeted this into my timeline today, and then like it was everywhere. Which is this this Jay Billis quote uh, in in some piece he wrote for the for the uh, for the website. Um, it's talking about UVA's defense being a boa constrictor that does all this, and like everybody, the same people, a lot of these same folks who are so distraught. Whenever some national media type says anything negative, the first now that a national media type say something positive, right, and they could not fall over themselves fast enough to talk it up. And I'm just like, why do the? I just don't understand. And somebody somebody's gonna have to help me out one day. Like, why does the approval of these people matter to you? Like, I just don't get it. Um, And I thought it was especially interesting and coincidental considering our conversation. Last week I mean It's like If you say anything negative People tell you That you're an idiot But if you say anything positive Well now you agree with me And clearly now you're smart These are the same people You know They're just given Different takes
1: Different weeks I, I I, It Oh, Billis threw shade at the end of that quote. Of course he did. That's, <laughs> that's what he. That's what he
0: does. Yeah. And unlike people are like, so no, they just look. perpetuated it. Yeah, it's just it's one of those things. Like he said, like during the the Carolina uh, Tech game, you know, it's like he gives you a compliment, but then he also kind of gives you this backhanded. It does it in a backhanded sort of way that also le- leaves you lingering, feeling like, uh, like you're not like you're not really that great, you know. Like that's just sort of the way he he sort of operates on certain levels. I, I just don't understand this compulsion that people have to talk about whatever these national media types say. And quite frankly, like as somebody who runs a website that covers the team, like this is part of the problem. Like, like news, like local newspapers are dying because all people care about is what Jay Billis says in in a blurb on ESPN.com. Like, does anybody really think that these national media types watch Virginia basketball? Other than the games that they're actually, you know, assigned, like I don't think, like I do think that there are a bunch of like college football analysts that do this, that like actually watch a bunch of games, right? And I'm sure that there are some basketball analysts that do the same, but like the vast, bunch, there are just so many basketball teams they're not watching these games. They're just not. They're watching highlights. They're looking at box scores. They're looking at Ken Palm. Um, I would just say, like to me, if I didn't, if I didn't care for the for the analyst or the writer or whoever. When they said something really stupid, I also wouldn't talk them up when they said something super positive. But you know, to each their own. Um, so that was my my one random soapbox. Uh,
1: was that like the fourth fourth? That was a fourth and a half side, of the, half half
0: side of the ball. Okay, forever give us our fifth side of the ball question this week.
2: Okay, topics in athletic sports life doesn't matter. Um, what are you muting on Twitter?
0: Do you want me to go first?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it can it can be college basketball related. Um, I, I thought we could make it a little different than what we you know instead of just bashing UVA <laughs> Twitter reactions and stuff, but you know, like what else? Like an, a perfect example. And and I actually don't mind this conversation, but like Trey Young kind of dominates the conversation, so a lot of people don't like that, so they would mute that as a topic.
0: All right. Here's my question: Is it specific to college basketball? Because no. Right, if there was a way for me to 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 wave a magic wand and make Lavar Ball's last name not be Ball and make it something specific like Zaglinski and I could just mute Zaglinski and cuz you can't cover sports <laughs> and have the word ball, mute ball muted, right? Literally literally the neck the I, I cannot I cannot stand the mention of his name. I can't stand conversations about him. It kind of goes back to that point I was just trying to make a minute ago, right? Like, w- like what? Like, I, not that, not that you just shouldn't care about him. Like you probably shouldn't even care about his kid. The one that's actually good, but you definitely shouldn't care about where his other two kids are. And you definitely shouldn't care about whether they're, they're Bosnian. Is it Bosnia? Where, where are they? What, 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 what? Lithuania. Lithuanian. Their Lithuanian coach, you know, is it, there's some quote and he's like, Oh, I'm in a tight spot. And I'm like, literally, could not could not care less like nobody should care like nobody should care and nobody should be talking about anything like like to me like when I would see the dude like when it did make its way into my timeline um because I did I did I was able to mute lavar ball at least so if people used his first and last name I could mute it but like when it did make it way I always shook my head of like like literally just never speak his name like he's like Voldemort to me. Like just don't say it. Like don't like everything about that dude drives me up a wall. So that's the one. I have it muted. I wish I could do more. Um I went for a long time without knowing what his voice sounded like um and I would like to go back to that place. What about you, Dave?
1: Well, I'm not <laughs> I don't know how anything that good. It's <laughs> like I don't know if
0: I care um, as passionately about muting
1: things as Brad does. I mean What's weird is this question comes up this week because the two people specifically I have muted are Jay Billis and Ben Swain. <laughs> um, so <that, laughs> we—it's kind of Duke approach. Uh, like, Billis, I, I cannot stand Jay Billis. Like, he knows, like, he's a smart guy. He can be engaging. But he also likes to make you feel like he's the smartest guy in the room regardless of the topic. Like, I don't... Jay Billis is the kind of guy who's never said, I'm sorry in his whole life, and I can't stand it. I, I don't need a constant barrage of amateurism comments. I used on to my really
0: timeline. like Jay, too, man. I did, I don't too, know man. what happened? And, now he's, and,
1: and look, it's funny how when Duke becomes like a one and done, all of a sudden amateurism is a joke to this well, guy. Well, I don't know. And that's part of <sighs> See, my See, the problem. thing
0: I liked about huh? Jay for so long is that I never really thought that he, that it, it, he was carrying water. And I mean, I'm not even saying that now that that's the reason, but like for me, it's just like I think it's a quantity issue sometimes. Ben, I I don't follow, but. I've always thought he was pretty funny. About I mean his,
1: his. I don't follow him, and I specifically have him muted because so many Virginia. Yeah, fans no, I think I think his thing.
0: I mean, he just doesn't like Virginia. Like that. he's like, that's fine. Like you don't have to. And I mean, he, no,
1: he's like Jay Billis without the plaid. Well,
2: I, I think I, look, <laughs> he's just a troll, dude. Like he, <laughs> he really I mean, is. he he makes a lot of jokes. Some of them. He's are pretty funny guy. I mean, are... like
0: most of the time when he's not talking about yeah. UVA, I think he's pretty funny. And I honestly, I think he's pretty creative. Like a lot of what they've done. With uh, with their site and their, what they do, like it's pretty, it's pretty fun stuff. Like, I I I understand that like a lot of Virginia fans don't like the guy, and that's fair. I mean, like you, you don't have to like him, just like he doesn't have to like UVA. But like, I, I don't think he. I, I specifically don't think he does. I, I don't think he doesn't like UVA specifically to just troll people. I think he doesn't like UVA, and he also realizes that the UVA people are easy to be trolled because exactly it's like the easiest.
2: It's, like, it's just like messing with people. Yeah, it's
0: like, like the easiest and that's group fine. to like, like needle.
1: You know what I mean?
2: Just roll your eyes, like you know. Who cares? Yeah,
1: that's why he's muted. <laughs> but I mean, he's he I also stand. like
2: I, I will I will defend him in the sense that he doesn't try to be something that he's not. Like like with Jay Billis, you know, it's kind of like you know he he's trying. Yeah, you know, like you said, he's trying to like you know win the argument or whatever. Ben is just a Duke fan, and you know, of course, that's gonna that's gonna color everything he says. I,
1: I do think Virginia fans deserve like as much as we've gotten on them. Look, the reason Virginia fans are an easy target, because can you think of another Power 5 program that's on the rod? Like, you have your Blue Bloods, right? Who else is – is there another program outside of Virginia that's that's knocking on that door right now that has a huge – fan? like, Clemson fans aren't turning out. Basketball fans aren't turning well, out in, in force. So it is kind of a growing fan base. So it, it's an yeah. easy one to troll because they don't have and anything because, yet. And because – That said, it's just because,
0: – Because basketball <laughs> is a different sport, like – In basketball, it's a star's kind of game, right? And so one or two players can make a big difference. Virginia's not doing it that way, and Virginia's doing it its own way. Um, I would say that part of the reason Virginia feels like an outlier among national... I mean, maybe not necessarily Villanova, because there's a lot of similarities there, but um, Virginia seems like an outsider still, one, because they haven't had that success. And I think, too, like for a lot of people when you hear about a team a lot and then they don't like win win you know like we, those of us who co- who are you know covering the team fans of the team go to games follow the actual team keep up with them like they know how big an ACC tournament championship is they know how big these ACC regular seasons are like we understand that those are significant achievements but to the outside world they don't haven't they haven't seen UVA in a final four they're tired they hear all about UVA's defense and then they don't see him there like that's just you know that's just going to be the way it is until they get over that hump you know what i mean
2: and i think uh, that part of the i mean like let's be honest i i feel like a lot of the maybe it's just because of the bubble of people that i follow on twitter but I don't hear a lot of people in like other conferences talking about how UVA is bad for basketball. It's all fans and people that cover the teams that UVA's UVA is kicking their ass. Like it's just the way it is. Like it's an if UVA was like playing all these games, like if Louisville beats UVA 55-54, Louisville fans are just going to be like, "All right." But like when UVA starts beating them, then they're like, "This is this is a like they're just getting annoyed and it's like this is bad for basketball now." Like what is this like why do we have to and and, and my argument in, in defense of the UVA fans and I don't see this argument made enough is that it's like nobody's stopping you from playing offense like go ahead run your stuff like like you go that's ahead true. and try to score like yeah, you <laughs> like's like you not being able to score is not UVA's fault like that's on you like figure out a way to beat it you know. Uh, if if you want to complain that the number of possessions is lower, then that's fine. But who would even really who's counting them? Like who who knows at the end of a game how many possessions there were?
0: Yeah, that's true. Until the until the until the computer tells me, I don't know. Um, I think it's funny is that we we all 3 were on a UVA podcast picking Duke to win the game, uh, and then also we're somewhat critical of UVA fans on Twitter again. Um, we're we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get a backlash at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but it, what's funny is that, um, is that I don't I... – Wait, wait who's, who
1: does Ferber have? We oh, yeah, did... sorry. Dude, what, yeah, Ferber.
2: That... <laughs> my bad, my my, oh, my mine bad. Mine has bad. nothing to do with college basketball. It is, oh. it is all of uh-huh. the um, Twitter takes this week specifically about the following people. Oh, okay. Baker Mayfield, Josh, <laughs> Josh Allen, oh, Lamar yeah. Jackson. Uh-huh. And uh, Donald and Rosen Sure we'll throw them in there All of that Just I'm just out Like And I'm a fan of a team That might be drafting one of them And that's cool But like I just am so done with like The Josh Allen sucks Lamar Jackson's awesome Lamar Jackson sucks oh, Josh Allen could throw the ball A million yards Like who cares or, or Or
0: the even better More nuanced one Which is uh Josh Allen is being treated In a way That J- Lamar Jackson's not being treated And here's why Um Let's all dig into everything, every word that some that some uh, talent evaluator is going to write about them between now and the draft. You know what I mean?
2: It's just too much. It's just it's,
0: like, it, it does get get old
1: really quick. Yeah, and it's like ah. and don't forget the Richmond quarterback is going to be drafted number one by the time this. I kind of feel, the- I
2: kind of feel bad for like Josh Allen because it's like he is getting scrutinized for having like a poor completion percentage. But it's like he didn't ask for that. Like, you know, sure, you can criticize him, but it's like it's not like he's up there saying he's like the best quarterback of all time. Right. Like, I don't know. Right. It's just stupid. But it's just so much fluff. Like, you know. Well, and that's
0: part of it, too, is that like there's so many different outlets and so many different people, you know, under the tent, so to speak. Um, And
2: everybody's an expert. People yeah. and the thing is, like, if you follow NFL people, it's like a lot of people that don't watch college football. So then it's yeah. like, okay, you didn't watch any of these games, but you're like going to tell me like who the more accurate quarterback is and stuff like that.
0: All I know from uh, from what I've seen from the senior bowl is Andrew Brown's making himself some money. Mm-hmm. Like every time I turn around, somebody's talking about how crazy good Andrew Brown. I knew works. he was going to measure
2: well because he's just a big. He's just a big dude. He's got good athleticism. Um well I it's mean, gonna come down like, to like if he can shed blocks and so far it seems like he's doing it. So good for him.
0: Yeah, good for Drew. Um well I, I think that's a, a good place to put a pen in. We we have got another episode over an hour. Hopefully this one doesn't uh, I don't sound crappy because I actually turned my mic um or I connected my mic correctly. So sorry about that, everybody. Um but again, wanna thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. Thanks to Dave and Justin for Giving graciously of their time to be on said show. And thanks to Ferber, I guess, quote unquote, thanks to Ferber for covering the game Saturday. Um, Thank you,
2: Brad. And once again, coming through. No, I'll try not no. to I'll try not to say anything inappropriate and get kicked out like that dude did. a few yeah, months ago.
0: that's yeah. Appreciate that. Just make sure you uh, I actually sure do work you you for a real
2: outlet, outlet, though, which is which that's is true. A step you you
0: actually. Guy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you are a credentialed member of the media elsewhere. Um, but again, uh, thanks everybody out there for supporting the show. For uh, for David Spence and Justin Ferber and Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.